you hear the words cultural algorithms, what goes through your mind? Do you think of a hipster sipping on soy lattes, running code through a computer for some type of math problem? Well, I thought so too when I first heard the term, but it's actually something quite different. One that has some complexity to it. So let's look at the term. What are cultural algorithms? Well, according to an article from the Penn State University Press, the word algorithm is best described as a generic term for automated decision-making. So what about cultural algorithm? Referencing the article mentioned before, the authors wrote, Algorithms can act as instruments of cultural policy. This statement reflects a growing acknowledgement that algorithms influence cultural expression and access to cultural content. Now this seems like it should be good, doesn't it? Having the media you access tailored to what you like and what piques your interest personally? Well, in terms of shopping for something like a power drill or socks, then yes, it's beneficial to have your search personalized for you. But what about where you get your news and other information key to making decisions that not only affect yourself, but those around you? I was reading the article and it just made me think about how complex and in-depth these algorithms have become. But has it gone too far? Have the algorithms been driven off course and actually hurting those that use it? I want to now take a look at the first of two other pieces that we have read for class. In the book Algorithms of Oppression, we as a class looked at the section Searching for Protections from Search Engines, and in her article the author, Sophia Noble, discusses how these search engines and their algorithms are fueling these stereotypical notions that we've seen at some point and may have even had ourselves. One example that really stood out was about the filtering of names when searching for what the article calls, quote, African-American sounding names and, quote, white sounding names. A study done in 2012 by a professor at Harvard showed that when searching for African-American sounding names, the advertisements that pop up online are one for criminal background checks and things of that nature. Well, when the white-sounding names were searched, standard ads for things like PlayStations and Soap and other arbitrary things appear instead. This is what plays into these issues we see today. I want whoever is listening to this to really think about it. How many times have you seen a person of color walking down the street and got nervous? You don't know why, but you just do. That's because just like what Noble's entire article is discussing, these algorithms of oppression causing these stereotypes to happen, and we just take it in stride and we don't really think about it. Issues with race are nothing new, but this example just shows one of the many ways that marginalized people are facing oppression, and one that with the proper countermeasures can be combated and fixed as to not cause more issues. Now I want to turn to another article we read in class, this one by Alexis Madrigal, who discusses how data conglomerates like Google and Facebook dropped the ball on relaying correct information during the shooting in Las Vegas. I saw similarities with the Noble article mentioned earlier in regards to how these algorithms are operating, like how they are created too. But how they are created can backfire. So when the shooting happened, obviously people rushed to the internet to get information on the situation at hand. However, as the article states, what they were shown on the search results wasn't credible news sources. What they were sh met with was, and I quote the article, Google's top stories results surfaced 4chan forum posts about a man that right-wing amateur sleuths had incorrectly identified as the Las Vegas shooter. And because this was one of the first results, more and more people started clicking on it and taking it as fact and sharing it and spreading it even more in this just endless cycle of fake news. And as the article stated, the problem can be traced back to a change Google made in two, October of 2014 to include non-journalistic sites in the, quote, in the news box instead of pulling from Google News. Now, when I personally read this, I was flabbergasted at how this could have just happened. And when Google was asked about what happened, they just gave a wishy-washy response, acknowledging that they said they fixed the issue and it should never happen again. Now, I agree it's good that Google said it shouldn't happen again, but 
as Madrigal makes this argument in our article, saying, it's no longer good enough to shrug off the problems in the system simply because it has computers in the decision loops, and I could not agree more. It's astounding to me at this point that we have mistakes like these still being made. I thought there was a chance we were better than this, but at this point, I'm not so sure. But I have faith in us to make the correct decisions, and that starts with who I just said, us. We can make the change, we just have to do it. For example, in the University Press article I mentioned at the beginning of this, they provided the stat that 95% of the overall workforce in technology is white. Therefore, bringing in a more diverse pool of workers from all different types of backgrounds, putting them in all facets, would help with these issues and provide different perspectives on the way things are done. Also, one example from the Madrigal article I liked was involving more people, more humans, in these information sifting processes. A lot of the issues stem from when the computer is the one making poor decisions that humans could have easily avoided. So to conclude this, cultural algorithms are a byproduct of a system that has not been kept in check. But we can help change it for the better. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please take care.